you mentioned to a coworker, you mentioned to a friend um, that you wanted to fast. So there you are, you're at morning tea, um, or you might be at your lunch break. I was trying to avoid that. Click. Well, I tried. But there you are, you're at your lunch break, right? Or you're having morning tea. And, and you say to someone, you sort of lean over and, and you say, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. Yeah, you know, I've given it some thought and, and I'm going to try this, this, this fasting thing. Now, the response of the person will vary depending on who they are, obviously. Um, but they might say, you know, if this is your lunch break, they might say, oh, cool. Wow, I, I've, I've heard there's some real benefits to that. What health diet is this, right? And, and then you realize, oh, they, I don't think they quite understand what I mean. So, so you say, oh, it's not, it's not really like a crash diet. It's not, it's not for that reason. It's, it's more of like a religious fast. And they respond, oh, okay, a religious fast. Well, that's good for you. And is that... <laughs> Is that, is, that like, um, is that like Lent, right? And then to which you respond, well, uh, no, not, I mean, I like Lent chocolates, right? But like, not, not really, it's not really like Lent. It's, it's I'm more, I'm, this is my own thing, you know? It's not like my whole church is doing this or this is something on the church calendar or whatever. I'm actually just going to abstain from food, um, you know, maybe just sort of sun up, sun down. And I'm going to do that just for spiritual purposes. I'm going to do that just to draw closer to God. Now, at this point in the conversation, you notice that the person you're talking to, they kind of furrow their brow. They look a little puzzled. And you can tell they're a bit confused by what you're saying, maybe a bit awkward. And you're starting to worry at this point in the conversation, thinking, oh man, I hope they don't, I hope they don't misunderstand me. I hope they don't think like I'm some sort of radical, crazy, odd for God type of Christian, right? Where, you know, I'm just this hollow-eyed wacko. Uh, what are they, I mean, uh-oh, this isn't good. And to be honest, there'd be some legitimacy to that concern, wouldn't there? Because fasting is just not common in our day, particularly with even in Christian circles. Fasting is just not all that well, it's just not all that widespread. I mean, how many sermons have you heard on fasting? Probably not many, even if you grew up in church. And if you head into a Christian bookstore and you want to peruse the bestsellers, very unlikely you'll see the latest book on fasting sitting right there on the bestseller list. It just, it's just not something that a lot of people talk about today or think about or we even really hear about or see practiced. And yet Jesus couples this practice of fasting with things like prayer, giving to the poor. No one doubts that Christians, right, that we are to help those in needy. No one doubts that we should pray. No one doubts those things. And yet the habit of fasting seems to have fallen off of the list that Jesus gives here of giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. With the result that Jesus' words here in Matthew seem somewhat abstract, somewhat strange, 
somewhat distant, somewhat foreign to us? I mean, let's be real. Who is tempted this week to head into either uni or head into work with sackcloth and ash? Look like you're just flat out so that people would think, wow, this girl must be really committed to God. That's impressive. This guy must be really switched on for Jesus. Probably no one. I hope he didn't do that. Right? So that, you see what I say these words when he says, and, and when you fast, don't look gloomy, don't look, you know, maybe, maybe in the context of a university, when you're around other Christians, you're going to skip out on the pizza night. So maybe there's that one exception, right, to where it's like, hey, we're all going to go get pizza. Oh, I, I can't. What? I'm fasting. But that's not, you know, that's sort of a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds who have all the time in the world anyways to go get food and pizza. And so it's just not as common, is it? Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't feel this as a temptation to go, oh, yeah, wow, that really, that really strikes. I really felt this temptation this week to just put on sackcloth and ash and, and to look just flat out and to have everyone say, oh, our pastor must be fasting. It's so, so what do we do with this portion of Scripture then? What do we do with it? I want to talk about fasting that is revealed, fasting that is concealed, and then finally, fasting that is expected. So in verse 16, we have fasting that is revealed. And then in verse 17 and 18, we have fasting that is concealed. But the subtext, I think, to this passage, really, the, if you look for, if you read between the lines, as it were, you see fasting that's expected. Notice Jesus didn't say, and you know what? If you happen to fast, if you consider to fast, if you might fast, that's not. There's no ifs, right? Two different times. Did you notice there in this short little passage that was read for us? Two different times Jesus says, and when you fast. It's, it's expected. So, that said, Let's now look to the Lord in prayer and then we can unpack those points. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning as needy sinners who must be fed by your word. Lord, we also come to you, to be honest, Lord, with a subject today that is likely unfamiliar to, to many of us and, and might seem not all that important. So Lord, please, would you show us the value of fasting for the purpose of knowing and worshiping you? Lay our hearts open before you today. Please change us from the inside out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever attempted to fast. I wouldn't ask it for a show of hands because then some people would get mad and say that they lost their reward, right? You made us all lose our reward in, instantly when you made us raise our hands. Or you, maybe you did fast and you didn't want to raise your hand because you felt like you'd lose your reward if you did raise your hand. I don't know if you've ever tried to fast. I have sometimes done it in hopefully a way that's honorable to God. Sometimes I've really bombed and I've, n I've not done it well at all. 
Um, there is an interesting story about a, a man who tried to fast. He had a go, and he's really candid. He's, he was interviewed afterwards, and, he, and he's very candid about his fast. Um, it's humorous, but it's also, he's, he's very honest and, and a, a bit cynical about it. But let me, let me read to you what he says. This is a man he's being interviewed several years ago, and he said this, I fasted on several occasions, and nothing happened. I just got hungry. Several years ago, I heard a couple of pastors discussing fasting. On their recommendation, I tried my first fast. They said it was commanded in the Bible and should be practiced by every Christian. Being a Christian, I decided to try it. After putting it off for several days, I mustered up enough courage to start. I couldn't go to the breakfast table with my family because I didn't think I would have enough willpower to abstain from eating, so I went on to work. The coffee break was almost unbearable, and I told a little white lie about why I didn't go with the group. All I could think about was how hungry I was. I said to myself, if I ever get through this day, I'll never try this again. (laughs) The afternoon was even worse. I tried to concentrate on my work, but all I could hear was the growling of my stomach. My wife prepared a meal for herself and our child, and the aroma of the food was all I could bear. I figured that if I could make it till midnight, I would have fasted all day. I did, but immediately, after the striking of the hour of 12, I dug into food. (laughs) I don't think that day of fasting helped me one bit. Now, perhaps you can identify with this guy, right? Maybe you've tried fasting and it was difficult, or maybe you haven't ever given fasting a go because that's exactly how you pictured it to play out for you. Of course, the guy who shared his experience really missed the point of of fasting. Fasting is something that we see throughout Scripture, named over 70 times. It's predominantly in the Old Testament. But fasting, don't miss this, fasting is something actually that God created for his people. You see, because this man is kind of like, he sees it as abstract. Does that make sense? He sees it as this sort of dry spiritual discipline out here. And he says, I'll have a go. And then he does it and he's like, well, that was terrible. I'll never do that again. But fasting is something created by God for his people for a specific purpose. In the Old Testament, there are heaps of references to fasting. Um, There was a day of fasting, as it were, or a time of fasting for corporate Israel, for the whole people of God, during the day on the Day of Atonement, the people were to fast. Um, In the book of Jonah, probably familiar with the book, besides the big fish, But what happens when Jonah enters Nineveh? He says, 40 more days, right? Nineveh will be overturned. And when the king of Nineveh hears this, what does he do? He puts on sackcloth and ash and he proclaims a a big fast, right? He says, we need to fast because who knows, maybe God will hear our prayers and relent. Um, When the nation of Israel is leaving their captivity from Babylon and going back into the promised land, right? There is a national fast. They said, we need to pray because we don't have protection. Think about that, how vulnerable you would be heading back some 900 miles. What would that be in kilometers? Thousand something kilometers. Heading back to Jerusalem. You don't have an army with you. 
men, women, and children, you're not moving fast. Believe me, I've got three kids. You can't move fast doing anything, anywhere. And imagine, you know, you're, you're trailing these, these men, women, and children, the elderly, etc. How vulnerable would that nation be, especially the other nations that hate them? So we need to pray. We need to fast. So that's what they do. They fast. God, please protect us. And the Lord answers that. Or how about when they were still in Babylon, the prophet Daniel, right? Daniel, he decides, you know what? I don't want to eat the king's food. And so instead, I'm going to drink water. Obviously, you can only go three days without water typically. So um, I'm going to just eat vegetables. And so there's lots of fasts in the Old Testament. If you were... a Jewish boy or girl who grew up in the nation of Israel, fasting would have been very common. You probably would have seen your parents fasting. You know, some of you grew up in church, and some of you say, oh, I love that hymn that we just sang, Holy, Holy, Holy. I remember my mom and dad singing that. Or I grew up hearing this from my mom or dad. I heard this little Bible story. I heard this little cliche Christian thing or whatever it might have been. You sort of hear these things. If you were a Jewish boy or girl, you would have grown up seeing your parents fast. And often... Often, it was on the Day of Atonement. Now, there were voluntary fasts, free will fasts, fasts if you just felt like you wanted to fast for a specific reason, and you could wear sackcloth and ash. Um, In Luke 18, there's the Pharisee and there's the tax collector. Jesus says both men in the parable, they both go up to pray, right? And the tax collector beats his breast, right? Oh, have mercy on me, a sinner, But what does the Pharisee do? God, I thank you that I'm not like this rat bag over here. And why? Why is that? Because I fast two times a week. All right, I I give to the poor and I pray, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of sounds familiar to Matthew, doesn't it? Of giving to the poor and praying and fasting. And so what the Pharisees are doing is not only are they proud about the fact that they're fasting, they want everything everybody and their mother to know that they're fasting. That's the problem. It's this revealed fasting. They want the whole world to know it. If they had a Twitter account, they'd make sure they had the most followers possible. Guess what? It's Wednesday. Guess who's fasting today? You'll see me out on the streets. Hashtag fast, whatever, right? And that's what's going on. Look at verse 16 of chapter 6 in Matthew. That's why Jesus says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Interesting here. It says that they look sad, They look gloomy. They look dismal. They look disheveled so that people would see them and go, what's the matter? Are you okay? You look horrible. And they say, I know, I'm fasting. (laughs) Kind of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? Just gloomy, thanks for noticing me. That's how the Pharisees are. Interesting play on words here, though. Remember this idea of the hypocrite, the, one, the, the mask wearer, the play actor? They disfigure their faces. The hypocrite disfigures his face. 
making it unrecognizable. Interesting. The irony here is that they make themselves unrecognizable in order to be recognized. It's like someone saying, I just want to show you how humble I am. Or it's like someone saying, I'm the most humble person I've ever met. Or it would be like this. They disfigure those faces in order to be recognized. It would be like, picture if we were in Three Trees. Three Trees is a cafe, in case you don't know over there. And it would be like if we were in a cafe and I was, can everyone see me? And if I was doing this, kind of sitting here and I turn my chair and I'm in the corner and I'm like this. This would be really awkward. Can everyone see me okay? And and I'm like this. Well, that'd be super weird. But but what, and and someone might say, bro, what are you doing? I'm hiding. It's like, you're not hiding. Like you're, you're, but, but what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to show you that I'm hiding. Does that make sense? It's awkward. Like if I, if I ever do that at Three Trees with you, you have permission to run away. Okay? And Jesus says, look, if you fast like that, it misses the point altogether. The purpose of fasting is not to advertise yourself, but to humble yourself. Which leads us to our second point. And that is concealed fasting in verse 17. Verse 17, there's this concealed fasting. It's the same idea that's been threading through here, right? When you give to the poor, your father sees in secret. When you pray, your father sees in secret. Look at verse 17. Verse Verse 17 But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't look like some hungry scavenger when you fast. Just look like you did yesterday. Instead of putting on sackcloth and ash, put on oil. Wash yourself up. But the Pharisees were, if you can say this word, they were proud of their humility, as it were. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's not the, that misses the heart of fasting altogether. That's not why you're supposed to fast. So you have revealed confast, fasting, and you have concealed fasting, and then I think, as I said here, there, there is an undercurrent of this expected fasting. And let me show you what I mean by that. Turn, if you're already in Matthew, turn just a couple pages over to chapter 9 because fasting comes up again. And let's see how there's this expected fasting. Two times Jesus uses this word, when you fast. But look what he says now in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? It's a fair question, isn't it? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then what will happen? And then they will fast. So it's interesting here that Jesus expects his disciples, to fast, but not why the Messiah himself is with them, the bridegroom, but when the Messiah, because now it's time to feast, right? 
feast time, but when, the, when Jesus is taken away, the disciples will fast. The followers of Jesus will fast. Yet it seems that within modern Christianity, there's a lot of attention, isn't there, given to prayer, which is good. A lot of attention given to helping the poor. We have excellent programs like Compassion International and others. And for whatever reason, people don't seem to give a lot of attention to fasting. Perhaps modern day Christians have lost their appetite for fasting, pun intended. Had to do it. The older you get, the cheesier your jokes get. Sorry, no offense. John Stott has some challenging words for us here. John Stott says this. Listen to what he says. Talking about this passage in Matthew 6, he says, Here is a passage of Scripture which is completely ignored. I suspect that some of us live our Christian lives as if these verses had been torn out of our Bibles. Most Christians lay stress on daily prayer and sacrificial giving, but few lay any stress on fasting. Evangelical Christianity in particular, whose characteristic emphasis is on inward religion of heart and spirit, does not readily come to terms with an outward bodily practice like fasting. It's a good point. That's a good point. It's, I think it's a convicting point in that um, we tend to... Uh, it's more existential Christianity oftentimes. Do you know what I mean by that? It's, it's we're thinking things in our own minds, and our hearts, and yet we're sort of seeing because we're grappling, gripping onto the gospel by faith, and yet when it has to be worked out into sort of a tangible thing, it sort of loses traction. Does that make sense? I'm probably starts it a lot better than I could, but, but I guess I was thinking about this. Why do you suppose... Why do you suppose fasting is not vogue anymore? Like, why, why is it? Because remember we read last week the Didache? I'm not going to quote it again because you'd be annoyed with me quoting it again probably. So, but the Didache was an early Christian document circulated around helping us understand how we should worship, pray, etc., etc. And it says, oh, and when you fast, um, don't do it on these days. It's kind of peculiar. Don't do it on these days like the hypocrites, but, but do it these days. So it just would have been, it would have been normal. What, what happened, right? What happened? Well, I think maybe, I'll give you a couple options. Because I was thinking about why, why isn't, because look, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear a lot of this. I still don't hear a lot of this. There's not even a lot of Christian books on fasting. Um, there's just not. So what, what happened? Well, I think part of it might have been, it, there is a reaction to Roman Catholicism. So in the Roman Catholic theology, there's fasting as part of, of um, they have whole festivals of fasting, uh, particularly prior to the time of Martin Luther, fasting was just, it was, it was like required in a sense. It's part of you know, sort of paving your way for salvation. And what Martin Luther does is, is obviously would thank God for the Protestant Reformation 501 and a half years ago. He reacts to that and says that's wrong. Salvation is by faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone for the glory of God alone. We know this by the scriptures alone. Five solos of the Reformation. Yay, yay, yay. And then we're sort of, we're, we're downstream from that. Does that make sense as Protestants? We're downstream from Protestantism, which is good. It's good gospel truth, yes. But then it's almost like we swung the pendulum so hard the other way, we sort of lost maybe 
some things that were happening in the medieval church. Am I making sense at all? Medieval church prior to Reformation, a lot of, a lot of really wonky stuff going on, but there's some things that weren't altogether bad. And then as a way to sort of react to it, maybe we lost some of the baby with the bathwaters, we threw it out. Does that make sense? So the practices were sort of lost. That could be one reason. Um, and I'm going to quote someone else from church history in a bit, but it is interesting. The Puritans were pretty switched on with fasting, which, which is good. So we'll, we'll get to them in a moment. So maybe that they kind of came around again. Um, and then everyone read, well, I won't go there. So um, another reason it could be is uh, we tend to be Pauline Christians. Um, do you know what I mean by that? You're like, Pauline, who's my friend Pauline? No, 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 listen. As evangelicals, as Protestants, we love Romans and Galatians and Ephesians. Yes, amen, good books. If you're not reading them, you know, let's, let's go read them. It's good stuff. But Paul never mentions fasting in his writings, ever. So it's almost like, a lo- it's almost like as we read, now what he, Paul did do in the book of Acts is he fasted. When he was blinded at his conversion, for three days he didn't have food or drink. But then he doesn't say, oh, you know what? Hey, Ephesians, uh, there's all of these great, characteristics about following Jesus. And one of them has to be fasting, so let's fast. There's nothing, you, don't, you don't see it there. It just doesn't, doesn't exist. So maybe that's part of the reason we've read Paul so much that we've sort of lost it. That could be. Don't know. Um, it could be that it's not common practice, so therefore we look around us and we say, this is the new normal. Does that make sense? So in other words, well, if I look to my left and they're not fasting, and I look to my right and they're not fasting, well, then I look around my surroundings and I define this as normal and right and good and everything. It's more sociological. Does that make sense? And I guess you could say psychological as well. So, so then I say, well, I deem this as normal. Well, I mean, who fasts? Well, I don't know anyone that fasts. It's not a good excuse, but that could be part of the reason as well that, that we don't fast. Um, it could be a misunderstanding given that as well of fasting, right? Some people think that, well, that's what the monks do. Yeah, monks fast. Or strange guys that live out in the desert that eat grasshoppers and honey like John the Baptist. He was a, he was a fasting kind of guy. And you know what? I don't eat grasshoppers and I sure, I might eat raw, raw honey, but I don't that, that's him. He dressed funny, probably smelled funny, and that's him, and that's not us, and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Or, or other people think, well, you know, fasting, fasting, that seems kind of legalistic. Saved by faith alone, right? So when someone says, hey, I, I'd encourage you to fast, whoa, what are you, I don't add anything to my salvation you're right. But that's a bit of a non sequitur. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, huh? Like, yeah, that's true. Yes, you don't add anything to your salvation. But like, wait, what does that have to do with like, it's still a good idea to fast? Like, it's like kind of like, it takes you over here and distracts you. Like, yeah, that's right. We don't, we don't earn our salvation by fasting. That's what Rome did. And so, Roman Catholic Church. So we don't do that. And that's why we don't fast. 
Come on. That's a bit strange to me. It doesn't... So, but I think we have a propensity to do that. Um, regardless of whatever reason, and there could be more, those are just ones I thought of this week. Um, I didn't you know, steal that from anyone. I was just trying to process those. And I'm sure we could add more if we went around the room. But regardless of whatever reason um, that causes fasting to sort of to take a back seat, as it were, the bottom line is Jesus expects his followers to give themselves over to fasting. That's the bottom line. Now, let me say a couple words here on fasting. The reason that you do fast, three things, is to strengthen prayer, to see God's work advance, and to help others. And I want to unpack this. But let me say something on fasting to sort of set your mind at ease a little bit. In the Bible, we do not have a regulation or an extent or a frequency given to us of fasting. Does that make sense? And when you fast, how often? Don't know. How frequent? Well, it's the same idea. You know, how, how, to what extent? The Lord may lead you to do it frequently, but that doesn't mean it's universal for everybody. Does that make sense? So you may say, well, look, I, I want to fast two days a week. Praise God. That's awesome. Where are you getting the information from? Well, I feel like that's what the Lord really wants me to do. That's awesome. That's great. But that doesn't make it universal for the rest of us. Also, let me put your mind at ease here. Fasting does not mean that you, all right, well, how long did Jesus fast, boys and girls? Woo, and we want to be followers of Jesus, don't we? Come on. Don't try to fast more than three days without water, by the way. You'll die. Okay? Well, the Lord will sustain me. Yeah, maybe but I'll be there at your funeral, okay? So to help you, and anyway, don't do that. Use your brain. So like, we can fast, but do you, does, that, does that make sense? The frequency and how much, there, there's a lot of margin there. I mean, there's also, you need to be aware, some people have medical reasons why they can't fast for 21 days or for 18 days or for whatever it might be. And that's okay, by the way. It's not like God's going, oh no, I didn't see this coming. I just so wish that this person was going to fast, but, you know, they've been pregnant and then nursing and then that's not going to work for like, you know, and then pregnant and then nursing and then pregnant and nursing. That's going to work for like five years. And then now they've got this medical reason they can't fast. Oh, Gabriel, we got to do something. Come on. That's, that's, not, that's not the God of Scripture. So it, it could be something to where you're fasting for a meal, a morning tea. It could be, maybe you can't even do that. And there's something that you can fast from, right? And again, you can get creative with this. But for the majority, a lot of us could. I'm speaking to myself here too. I said this to Dan. This week, I felt like a total hypocrite because I was like, here I am getting ready to prepare a sermon for fasting and <laughs> fast this week. <laughs> yeah, don't follow me. So I was like, and I was like, Kind of justifying my mind. Oh, you know, see, the reason I didn't fast is because, you know, on, on Thursday, you know, I had this meeting and I didn't want to be hungry. And I was like, okay, whatever, man. And we come up with excuses. Look, I, I'm, I'm the king of them. And, and but may, maybe, maybe there's just, you can set aside, and I'm going to hit on this in just a moment, but maybe you can set aside, well, look, on Wednesday, just throwing this out there, uh, I'm going to skip lunch and I'm going to take that time to pray instead. 
So again, don't worry about these. It's got to be 21 days or 40 days or whatever. If you want to do a couple days, you can. And please drink water. And honestly, let me uh, just practically speaking, please see your physician as well. Please see your GP. Uh, yes, God can supernaturally sustain you, but use your brain. Okay, like if you're in a place that have really bad health, like it's not worth, you know, going, getting really crook for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like just, it's, it's, you need to think through these things. Does that make sense? Now, fasting, three things. It's to strengthen prayer, to see God's work advance and to help others. So the first is to strengthen prayer. The strength of prayer, there's something about fasting that sharpens the edge of our prayers. If you've ever done it before, you know what I mean. We feel it because you feel the hunger pains, right? I mean, think how much time we spend thinking, shopping, preparing, and consuming food. If we took amount of time for that for just one meal a week and devoted to prayer, wow, amazing. You'll feel it too. You skip just one meal, you'll, your, heart, your stomach will start to turn inside out. And, and you'll feel it, and it's in those physical moments where you're like, I am so hungry, I, I could eat beetroot on a burger right now, which should never happen. <laughs> Sorry, I probably offended half of you, so that's all right. Okay? Yeah, I know, here we go, the side, side conversation's my fault. I'm so hungry, but, but you'll feel the hunger pains and it'll force you to pray. It'll force you to pray more. It just will. Um, another is to see God's work. That's why we fast, to see God's work advance. I mean, have you ever thought, you know, I would love to see more people come to Jesus here in Wyoming, here on the Central Coast. Honestly, guys, when I'm, when I'm driving down the street every Sunday and I'm seeing people walking, going for a run, heading to the coffee shop, whatever, I go, I don't know where this person's at, but man, there's a good chance they don't know the Lord. And the gospel is going to be preached right here. We're going to sing the gospel, pray the gospel, preach the gospel. Oh, I just wish there was a way I could just drag them in here. I want these people to know Christ. And I want to see conversions here at this church, don't you? So would you consider praying that God would give us conversions right here at this church? And then we'd see that abroad. I mean, we want to see missionaries sent out from our own congregation to the far-flung corners of the earth. Will you fast and pray for that once a week or, every, or fortnightly? Again, I'm not, you know, just throwing out different ideas for you. You're, you're smart people. You can figure out what that might look like. But would you commit to praying for that? We need to be praying for these things, friends. David Brainerd who was a missionary to the Native Americans years ago, who actually died in the home of Jonathan Edwards, the great American thinker and theologian and pastor, um, died while Jonathan Edwards' daughter was actually taking care of him. Um, but David Brainerd was a, just a phenomenal missionary to the Native Americans. And interesting, on Monday, he writes in his journal, on Monday, the 19th of April, 1742, he wrote this, I set apart this day for fasting and prayer to God, for his grace especially to prepare me for the work of ministry, to give me divine aid and direction in my preparation for that great work. 
and in his own time to send me into the harvest. Now Brainerd was preparing to decide whether he would go to the fields of mission work there in North America. So he fasted and prayed and tells us what he experienced on the day of prayer and fasting. Listen to this. I felt the power of intercession precious. I'm sorry. I felt the power of intercession precious immortal souls for the advancement of the kingdom of my dear Lord and Savior and the world and with all a most sweet resignation and even consolation and joy. It's a bit heady, wordy there. And joy in the thoughts of suffering hardships of which he did, my goodness, and distress, even death itself in the promotion of the gospel. My soul was drawn out very much for the world, for multitude of souls. I think that I have more enlargement for sinners than for the children of God, though I felt as if I could spend my life in cries and prayer for both. I enjoyed great sweetness in communion with my dear Savior. I think that I never in my life felt an entire um, desire for this world and so much resonation to God in everything by prayer and fasting before we, I sought guidance from the Lord. Wow. David Brainerd, before he heads into the mission field, it's fasted and he prayed. And isn't that exactly, we see fasting recorded two times, by the way, in the book of Acts. One before they're going to set aside Barnabas and Paul to be elders. Another time when they're about to send them on the mission field. Two times of fasting. Somehow I feel like we've, we've lost that. I'm talking to myself here. Like I said, I've been ragging on myself. So we fast to strengthen our prayer. We fast to see the spread of God's kingdom, as it were, and we fast to help others. You know, you may have sat back and, and thought once, well, you know, there are some marriages at this church under assault. I will devote myself to fasting and praying for the marriages in this church. What a noble, awesome thing that would be. You can also fast and pray to help others. You know, it's interesting, John Stott talks about in his commentary, I just read it yesterday, how when you, as, a, as Westerners, we rarely miss a meal. That's just true. He's writing, he's speaking in the UK prosperous like Australia and America and Canada and Western nations. As Westerners, we rarely miss a meal. And, and he talks about when we do miss a meal intentionally and you feel the hunger, the pains, you're able to identify with a disenfranchise in a sense, even if it's at a superficial level because you know, you know by the next morning you're going to have a big eggs benedict or whatever, right? But you still, in that moment, you still are able to identify like, oh, there, there are people that are hungry now that feel this all the time. And then you start praying for those people. A way in which you could do that as well, let's say that you work in Sydney, right? And if you want to buy lunch in Sydney, it's $180 or whatever it is, right? And on Tuesday, instead of buying the $180 lunch, you set that money aside and say, you know what? I'm going to just pray. I'm going to feel the hunger pains. I'm going to push through the afternoon, but I'm going to pray. I think I can still do that and, and do my job okay. Great. You know what? I'm actually going to do that next Tuesday. 
I'm going to do that the following Tuesday. Think how much money, I'm joking about the 180, but, but really, think how much money you would save over time and you can give that money away to the poor. Give that money away to missions. You, you see, it, it, this is just, it, there's nothing legalistic about that. Like there's nothing, you know, uh, strange or odd for God or whatever about that. I think that's just really Christianity lived out. Remember that quote from Stott? He said, Some, we, we tend to internalize and not externalize often. And so I just want to encourage this church. I'm not going to set a day for us fasting. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. It's, this is up to you. This is one of those sermons where, you know, like I said in the beginning, I don't think most of you are really wrestling over this you know, I'm just tempted to wear sackcloth and ash and everything else. But I'm, I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is though that you are feeling a sense of like when Jesus says, and when you fast two times in Matthew, and then in Matthew 9, he says, and then they will fast. You're feeling this sense of, I know I did studying this this week. I thought, man, when is the last time that I fasted? Shame, man. I, I, for, I'm talking to myself, not on you guys. I'm just saying, man, that is. I, and, and let me say, for you guys to encourage you, and guys as in plural, guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, is that I, I've been genuinely encouraged. I remember prior to me moving down here from Brisbane, Dan told me, so if I'm announcing this, Dan may lose his reward, but um, <laughs> Dan told me, said, hey, some of us in the church, and if you didn't do this, don't feel, that's not my point, don't feel guilty or whatever. Like He said, you know, some of the people in the church, they, they prayed and some of the people even fasted. And I was like, well, well, honestly, when I first said that, I was like, wow, I was encouraged. And I thought, fasting, yeah. I, 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 I guess I should have been fasting on this end too. <laughs> it's like, duh. You know, it just, it didn't, it didn't occur to me. Even April and I were talking about that. We're still in a time where we're praying, seeking permanent residency here. Ask me if I fasted about that. No, I need to. Would you hold me accountable to that? Really? And so let's, I, I, we need to be people that are marked, marked by this concealed, as it were, sort of fasting. It's with your conscience. So again, I hope that none of you are walking away from this feeling, oh, geez, the, the goal of that is not to beat you up. That would be dumb. I'd be talking to myself. I'd be the, the worst one. And so there's, there's, no, there's no, and I don't get any kicks out of that, you know, shame on you, Wyoming Church of Christ. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't get any kicks out of that. But I hope, I'm hoping, though, that you, that at least as you, I sort of try to take you on the journey that I was on this week, I'm really a bit challenged by this as well. And so I, I leave that in your hands, what you're going to do with this whole fasting thing. And pray, pray, really, really pray about this and say, Lord, is, is there, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something that was said today that I could be fasting, I could, I could be doing. So, the good news is, though, is that even though we failed and even though we should have fasted and we haven't on times that on the last day when we stand before the great judge, the Lord of Lords, he won't say, ah, oh, you missed fasting, be gone, depart from me. No, it's because of Jesus and his work and Jesus fasted and Jesus never sinned. And Jesus was faithful at all the points that we've been faithless. And because of him, he is our great forerunner. He is our great trailblazer. 
and we can rest in him and rest in knowing him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, this is an interesting subject to talk about and Lord, it's not one we want to take lightly as a church. So Lord, would you, I pray that if it was just maybe through some of my candidness or if it was just through whatever it might have been, Lord, mainly pray it was by your spirit through your word that we felt a, a, a sense of a challenge in a good way. Lord, help us to be people that are marked that really pray to you, that really take our, our, our relationship with you serious enough to miss a meal. Um, it's easy to talk about and it's hard, to, it's hard to do. So would you give us the strength by your spirit to do it in a way that glorifies you and that, Lord, as your word says, we'll be rewarded for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.